We're always telling your stories, and it's time someone tells ours. We're humans first, journalists second. We chose this career to give you a voice. Now we're voicing ours. It's true, journalism has much room for improvement, but not all hope is lost, and we want your trust back by humanizing one journalist at a time. We're sharing with you what we go through to bring you the news. The pain, the tears, the trauma, and the mental health struggles. It's painful, and sometimes we even work two jobs to make ends meet. But we all have something in common. The passion, the joy, and the love we feel for storytelling and holding the powerful accountable. That includes holding ourselves accountable. So here are stories from us. This is how we want to help improve the news industry. The Awakened Journalist is proud to present Media Healers by Emiliana Molina Fajardo. Hi everyone, welcome back to The Awakened Journalist. Thanks for tuning in again. Today we have Henny Salvarado with us to give you a little bit of background on her career. Henis is a National Emmy Award nominated bilingual storyteller. She worked as a news producer for NBC Universal Media, specifically at Telemundo Network in Miami for four years. And prior to that, she was an associate producer for iHeartRadio for almost two years. Um, but Henis decided to actually quit the news industry around 2019 and she is currently the Director of Community Engagement at Nova Southeastern University. Uh, she decided to quit the news industry um, to take care of her health, among other reasons, and she'll tell us a little bit down the interview. But before we begin, Hennis, welcome and thank you for agreeing to do this interview. Thank you so much. I'm so honored uh, to, to spend this time with you and to talk about such an important issue for our colleagues and our peers, and, and happy to be here. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So let's start with what I always ask everyone. How did you decide to become a journalist? <laughs> um, I it's, it's a funny story. I, I actually never really decided uh, in a conscious effort to become a journalist. Um, I moved to the United States in 2011, 2012. That was my transition year. Uh, I was coming from Venezuela, which is where I was born and raised. I had radio experience there. That was my first um, journalism broadcasting job uh, in 2009, 2008. And um, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. And I did it because I thought it was fun, not necessarily because I, that's what I wanted to do in, in the long run. Um, so when I came to the United States, I actually made a conscious effort not to become a journalist uh, but sometimes you know how life laughs at you and God laughs at your plans yep. and one thing led to another I graduated with um, a bachelor's in international business and a minor in political science and I because I did not want to be a journalist uh, but one thing led to another and from a from a volunteering position in the student media at uh, Florida Atlantic University to an internship, to a full-time job, to another full-time job, then uh, now here's Henny's or Gabby, the journalist. Um, and my job at Telemundo, which is the one that you mentioned, that is when, when I was already in the industry, that's when I decided, you know, my long-term goal was to do uh, digital and social media news for a network. And, and that's how it happened. 
That's amazing. So from not really wanting to be a journalist and not making that conscious effort and life just kind of like throwing you down that road, um, how was your first experience on your first job? Oh my gosh. Um, it, I think my first job, I would say, was Telemundo more as a journalist. Um, I Heart Radio was a little bit more of a production entertainment type of environment. It was a lot of marketing. It was a lot of promotions. What in radio we know as promotions, which is, you know, uh, community events and things like that. So I would say my first job in journalism was at Telemundo. And I started uh, doing digital media and social media for entertainment and for special um, coverages and awards. I, from the moment that I was there and I first saw the newsroom, I stepped into the newsroom in the old headquarters. Um, they have a new, a new, new building now. Um, I remember that perfectly and, or vividly. And uh, to this day, I remember the feeling of saying, wow, this is so cool. You know, these people are, are telling, uh, history. They're writing history themselves and they're living it. And this is what I want to do. So from the moment that I stepped, uh, stepped into the newsroom, I always told my bosses, and I had a few at Telemundo, that my end goal was to become a journalist for Telemundo News. And uh, one thing led to another in a matter of two and a half years. Uh, that's how I ended up becoming a, a Telemundo Network News uh, producer and, and digital media um, editor and, and multi-platform producer. So I would say um, that job uh, ended up being a lot of jobs. Um, I was transferred from entertainment to doing sports, which is when I covered the FIFA World Cup in Russia. Then I did the morning show. Then I did hard news. Um, but to be completely honest, I think there was a lot of, I had a lot of obstacles and challenges along the way. I was a very young professional at the time. Um, I learned a lot and I'm sincerely grateful. I could not be more grateful for the school that Telemundo was for me as a professional and as a storyteller in general. So, so that's how it was. I think that's how I see it now. And do you think that you know, because often as young professionals, we do have to wear multiple hats. Do you think that that was one of your struggles, like having to wear multiple hats? And did at some point that lead you to burnout or issues with your health? Um, I think that's a common theme in every or almost every media company. Mm -hmm. um, really, no matter how big the company is, there's always this concern for, we don't have a budget for this. So we need you to not only do production, but we also need you to be on camera host, or we also need you to be a reporter and an editor and a writer. And I did have a lot of those hats, um, you know, in, in most of the projects that I had, I was a social media producer, but I was also an editor and I was also the writer. Um, I stepped in several times when, when my manager had to go on leave, I was, um, I was the interim. Uh, so, so yes, I think there was a lot of um, you get paid for 40 hours a week, but you're working way over 40 hours a week. Now, don't get me wrong. I think um, when you're passionate about something is very, 
it's very hard to challenge that system and to challenge and to say, no, no, I actually have to go home tonight because of whatever, right? Um, and, and I think that was my case. In fact, because I was in entertainment and because I was in the morning show and I wanted to be in network news, I used my very little time off to volunteer with network news. So when I wasn't working my usual job, I would go to the network news team and say, hey, do you need help with this? Or, hey, I know the elections are coming up. I'm happy to help. So I would do the night shift of covering the elections until six in the morning and then go straight into the morning show until 3 p.m. And of course, at the time that didn't necessarily hit me as much, but I think things pile up. And at one point your body tells you you have to stop, right? And not to mention that you're spending most of your time at work. So whatever family time or whatever personal time you have with your partner, with your parents or whoever you you love that, that you know, live in the area, at least you're sacrificing that time. So um, I think that it, how, how do you say this in, in English? I don't know, te pasa la factura, like you get, you get the check. You get the check later on, yeah. 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 So, so yeah. And do you think that you, you know, voluntarily going up to network to help out in other areas, was this kind of to try to move up the ladder? Because that's also tends to be a common theme in newsrooms. You know, if you want to move up the ladder, you got to put in the extra work, the extra hours, breathe and live and eat breaking yeah. news and, you know, 24-7. This isn't a nine to five job and and there's sometimes a lack of I guess empowerment within journalists to draw those boundaries did you feel like that was your case um, I think that more than moving up the ladder because honestly going back to being such a young professional my focus was doing something that I was passionate about and that I felt like I was um, using as a way to improve society and in my community and the U.S. Hispanics, right? Um, so more than getting a better pay or getting a better title, I just wanted to do news. Like I just, I just wanted to tell the story. Now I had a perception of what that was being a volunteer for that team or being on the outside and not being a full-time news person. But when I got there as a full-time news person, that perception completely changed with, a it, granted, there were a lot of things going on. The company was going through a transformation that usually media companies go through every two or three years and management was different. The team was different, the values and the, and the uh, mindset when it came to digital news and social media news was completely different. I was doing social media and digital media which is a little bit different from on air in the sense that when there's breaking news, you have to get that out now, like yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's social media and digital media. But if you're an on air producer, you always have to wait until the newscast, the next newscast, or if, if it's something, you know, giant, giant, then you have to prepare for a newscast, but you usually have a little bit of time to prep for that. Uh, in social media and digital media, it's it's very immediate. It's very like, you know, I need to make sure that I uh, triple check these news right now and make sure that this is real while also keeping in mind that I want to be first. Okay. So so it's that it's that pressure 
that later becomes a testament to your skills and to your professionalism and to your uh, or, or other people's perception of what you can and cannot do as a professional. So, so it is a lot. Yeah, completely. Um, what do you think was one of the biggest challenges being in the news industry and what impact did this challenge have on you, whether mental, emotional, or, or physical? I think, it, again, it's a combination of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, that pressure of, of breaking news. I was uh, in charge of Noticias Telemundo's Twitter account on a day-to-day -day basis, which is the go-to you know, platform for breaking news, for right-away news. Um, that and during the weekends, I was in charge of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, website video and <laughs> because I was the weekend person as well yeah so so that did you have a shift for this or was it like just whenever there was breaking news like that was it that was that was it <laughs> okay so you had to be plugged into your phone right right, right right well I, also at that time the social media team was someone else and me and that's it okay. like that was that was Noticias Telemundo Network social media team right okay. um I think it has changed since then. It's been two years since I was there. Um, but at that time, that's how we distributed the workload. Now, for example, I remember this perfectly. Um, the governor of Puerto Rico uh, resigned. Mm -hmm. And my weekend at the time was Thursdays and Fridays because I worked Saturday through Wednesday. Uh, and I think he resigned on a Thursday at like 11 p.m. or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was my day off and I was away. Like I, I used my Thursday and Friday, or I mean, Thursday and Friday, like it was a Saturday and Sunday and he resigned, obviously all of, we're getting all of these emails, all of these notifications, Gabby, you need, you need to get this out right now. Let's verify, verify, verify. So again, you're plugging in on your weekend and then you know, working with your boss to make up for that day somehow, but then the news never stops. So, so that day, it's almost like it never comes. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it does, but, but it does take a toll because here you are working, you know, two weeks straight with no, no break. I mean, you could be working from home because there was breaking news on your day off in your home, but you're working. So, so, so it was a little bit like that. Um, yeah, and, and at the time you try to like compensate for those days or those weekends that you didn't have, breaking news happens again. And it's like, wait, no, we need you again. And, and sometimes you don't have a backup. Right. And I honestly, I think there was also a personal battle um, with the fact that this is something you've been working for for such a long time. I Every single boss I had prior to that, I I, I was very vocal. I said, I'm here today and I'm giving it my best. I'm at the morning show right now and I love this and it makes me laugh and it makes me happy and I feel so much joy, but my end goal is over there. So I would appreciate it and love it if you could mentor me and guide me to get over there. And I got that from every boss that I had. Um, so another thing was that, that I was working for it for so long and when I got there, I felt it um, draining me so much. And 
honestly, sometimes you blame yourself. You feel like, oh, maybe this, I'm not made for this. But then, you know, these conversations happen and you realize that it's, it's very common, that you're not the only one that it happens to. Um, and then, of course, you know, the conversation that I'm sure you've had with other journalists covering things that you're filtering, like you're getting all these videos, graphic videos and, and, and images and audio of people suffering mm-hmm. and, and a lot of things you can't air and a lot of things you can't share, but you can't unsee them. You live with them, right? Um, sometimes I think we get used to detaching ourselves from these people suffering, but other times it's more challenging. I was assigned because I volunteered. This is another crazy story, but um, I was assigned to cover a humanitarian crisis in the Venezuela-Colombia border. And when I went there, I'm Venezuelan. So when I went there, um, there was already this tie to how things were unfolding Mm -hmm. and seeing the aftermath of this you know it was a it was a combination of protests and and violence yeah seeing people bleed out seeing people or feeling at risk um i am so grateful for my boss at the time who told me you need to go back to the hotel now and i insisted that i wanted to tell the story that i was with a team of security so and so and she said well you either tell the story now and won't won't be able to tell any other stories at telemundo or you don't tell the story now and you'll be able to tell more stories at telemundo so i left yeah <laughs> because she told me but yeah. my mind at the time i think you get so invested into these stories that you don't realize the the impact that it may have in your physical and mental health. And mind you, I think this is a great opportunity to to applaud NBC and Telemundo because they do send their reporters um, with security to dangerous news coverage. There's a lot of stations that don't do that. And um, there has been many incidents where journalists have been harmed or harassed uh, because of lack of I guess, taking the measures, the appropriate measures to protect staff. Um, so props yes. to Vicky and Telemundo for that. And also props to that boss who took the initiative to help you get out of there, because sometimes as a journalist, yes. you, I don't know if this happens to you, but it's been, you know, my situation where I feel guilty um, if if I leave a story because I feel like I, I, I failed at my job. I don't know how you felt about that. And if it was in a way, kind of a relief to have a superior be the one to tell you, it's okay, this is the permission I'm giving you to leave because right. you might be in an unsafe situation. Right. Um, c- completely candidly, I was not relieved. I was frustrated at her. I I wanted to stay. I wanted to continue to tell the story. Um, but now looking back, I'm grateful that she did that because, you know, they were targeting journalists on purpose. They didn't want this story to be told. And, and some colleagues were reporting live on air while they were bleeding at the same time. So um, I don't think that that's when I realized that sometimes the adrenaline and being so invested into stories can, can, uh, impact the way that you're making rational decisions or with a lack of rational decisions, right? 
So I'm grateful that she stepped in to, to bring in that rationality that I needed at that time. However, when I came back, um, that's when things got even more complicated. I, uh, to me, it was very hard to process that I was coming back to a normal life and, you know, waking up at 5am every day, going to work, driving to work while I know that these people are still there dying and living in the streets and um, eating out of the trash. Um, and, and that's when I seeked help. Now, I did this because I realized and I was aware of the issue that I was having. I was diagnosed with PT, a type of PTSD, which is you know similar to, to what um, servicemen and women go through it in war. Uh, except, you know, obviously this, in this case, it, it was as a journalist, but I think we need to normalize the fact that it also happens with domestic news yes. coverage. Yes. And, um, and um, now that I think back, nobody at work really asked me, hey, let's debrief, let's, you know, talk about how you how you're feeling, or maybe they asked me, like, how are you? Are you okay? Like, you know, your coverage was great. But the the whole sit down and debrief, just like a serviceman or a service woman would do when they come back from deployment, I think that is what we lack right now and we should have. Now, I'm not blaming anyone at the company or my boss. I do think that this happens because it's normal. It's normal to go cover something, you know, very sensitive and come back and go back to work as if nothing happened. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that was, I think, one of the most challenging um, things that I went through as a journalist. Okay. And um, I know that you mentioned over the phone before we did the, the interview that you went through a stage as well where I think you had to cover three different hurricanes, several shootings like back to back. Do you yeah. want to speak a little bit about that situation and how that took a toll? I know you're married as well, so congratulations on, on getting married um, and how that took a toll not only on your health, but in your relationship? Yeah, so um, I'm getting married uh, in about two months. Um, okay. I yeah. thought you were already married. Okay, so you're no, engaged. No, but you know, we've been engaged for years. And okay. to be honest, we put, up, put that engagement off and off and off because of things that were going on with me. Okay. Um, from a mental health perspective and from a career perspective too. I think, you know, when you're working 24 seven, you're on call 24 seven, I don't think there's much time to sit down and plan a wedding, right? Yeah. Or at least that's not the priority. Um, so so going back to the shootings, I, I that was actually one of the last, or, or the last few months that I, that I was there. Um, it was right around the El Paso shooting. Um, we had El Paso shooting. We had a shooting at the Garlic Festival in California. We had the shooting at, in Dayton, Dayton Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a lot of shootings back to back to back to back. Uh, I remember the first shooting that happened, I think, was the one in, at the Garlic Festival in California and then El Paso and then Ohio. And when the first one broke, the, when the news broke, I think I, at the time I was prepared, I was just like, okay, let's get this done. Let's, let's get this confirmed and, and get this out. 
And when those things happen, you usually keep covering the same story for about a week or a week and a half, you know, hearing the stories of the victims or the families. And right when we were in the middle of the coverage of the first shooting, the second shooting happened. And then El Paso was bigger because the number of victims was higher. And um, it, it was another nature, I guess, of, of the shooting and the intentions of the shooter. And then the fact that it was such a highly Hispanic populated um, area city, mm -hmm. it, it was also very big for the Telemundo audience. So here we are covering El Paso shooting for a day or a day and a half, then Ohio happens. And to me, when I started covering Ohio, I realized like how many times does this have, like how many times will I have to break the same news? How many times are we going through, are we gonna go through something like this where people are losing family members unexpectedly in day-to-day -day activities? Like people are shopping at Walmart and and their family members die right there in front of them so that really um it, it really impacted me and it really affected me i wasn't covering it from the field i was in the newsroom but again here we are filtering videos and images and videos from family members and and it was extremely sad and that coverage or that combination of coverages actually helped me decide to step back from journalism and to prepare myself and educate myself to not only be able to tell the story, but to actually impact um, policymaking and communities to change this and to make things better. So, so yeah, that's that back to back, I think, was when, when things were getting really draining. So, okay, so you, you know, after that coverage back to back, it, it was very difficult for you, obviously, to process all those shootings. And I, I remember that. And I remember those shootings because um, I was actually at El Paso shooting as well. Um, and I had to cover it extensively. And so congratulations for taking the decision to actually go back to school and study policymaking, because I know that this is now becoming, you know, one of your passions and kind of like a mission for you um, to be able to not just tell the story, but actually have a positive impact by influencing policymaking. Do you want to speak a little bit about that and, and what you're going to school for? Yes. Yeah, so I, um, I'm getting my master's degree in public administration. I'm doing uh, somewhat of a concentration in national security, uh, which goes hand in hand with what we used to cover day to day um, mm -hmm. in, in as journalists. And to be very candid, I, I don't know exactly what that looks like right now um, after graduation. I have a wonderful job at NSU, at Nova Southeastern University with the uh, Alan Bilavan NSU Broward Center of Innovation, which is now very geared towards innovation and technology and entrepreneurship and empowering people to, to bring their ideas to life, right? Um, so I love what I do right now. And thanks to them also, I get to go back to school. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going again, like when I was in college, I'm doing things because I love them, right? Not necessarily because I have this long term master plan 
Um, I think life has taught me that, you know, follow what you like and what you're passionate about, and that will lead you to where you have to go. Um, Because when you make too many plans, life laughs at you and and somehow, you know, uh, shakes you up and, and I'm okay with that, you know? It doesn't work out. That's so true. Um, is your husband there? Does he? Because he said hello before we actually started the interview. Yes. You want to say? Hold on. He's probably out. Okay. Go Let ahead. me. Hold on. I'll be right back. Go ahead. <laughs> Hi, Nick. How are you? <laughs> okay. So, um, just so everyone knows, this is Hennessy's future husband. They're engaged right now, and. Um, before we started the interview, Henny said, don't even get him started on, you know, the toll this took on you guys, um, you know, her being in the news industry and you, you guys' relationship. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and your perspective as a partner trying to be supportive for, for Henny's? Yeah. And for those that can't see, she's giving me the evil glare right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, be careful what you say. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it, it definitely took a toll. Uh, she was working very early, very late hours, uh, a very inconsistent schedule at times. Um, and it definitely took a toll because, you know, we weren't able to connect as much as a couple and spend as much time together. Uh, we did the best we could to make the moments that we did have together as meaningful and as best as they could be but it definitely takes a toll and puts a strain on the relationship yeah i want to ask you nick go ahead uh, emmy um when i was talking about the coverage from Cucuta, for example mm-hmm. when i came back um i think that the impact and the effect was so hard and challenging that it really blocked me i i was you know, um, try, he tried to talk to me and I, and I was just not, you know, registering things. Right. Um, so that took a lot of work too. When I, when I had, uh, help from, from professionals, mental health professionals, he was there too, because he, some, he tried as much as he could to help me, but it took also a lot of learning from his part and my part to both be able to handle it together. So and it's I'm sure like as a partner, it's hard to understand sometimes because you're I mean, Hennis is witnessing firsthand, you know, very traumatizing events. I mean, people literally fighting for survival at, at the border. Um, so for you as a partner, you know, trying to understand that, how how was that for you? Um, it was definitely difficult at times. There were some times that I got to see a little bit closer than I had figured I would by seeing images and different things that she was able to work on at home. Um, But there were probably a million other things that I never got to see firsthand and that she did. So just trying to be as understanding as I could and trying to learn how to help as much as I could was the best thing I could do for her. Um, But ultimately just giving her the resources she needed to get through it, I think helped her the most. But it definitely there were were definitely some times that there were breaking points for her as well as myself Mm -hmm. um, trying to learn what we could both do to move forward and there were some times too where we you know we need to like we need to pause it here go like have a break go i would go spend time with my parents and then come back and regroup and and get through this together yeah like a little breather 
Okay. Um, thank you guys for sharing that. And Nick, just lastly, one more question. Um, part of the purpose and, and the mission with Media Healers is, you know, not only to help other journalists who have had struggles like Henny and myself throughout our career um, deal with mental health issues, emotional health, um, and navigate the industry, um, I guess, a little bit easier but also to help improve news. So I want to ask you from an outsider perspective, if there's anything, you know, that you would tell the news industry that they could improve on, especially after seeing, you know, your fiance going through everything she's been through um, with her career. I would say definitely encourage people to seek help. Um, mental health is not a joke. It's a serious thing. And I think everyone has some degree of need for mental health and mental awareness so it's not something to be ashamed of it's not something to suppress or think that you're anything less for you know having a hard time cope with something or wanting to change something that you're unable to find a way or the best way to cope with it and find a way to help so don't be afraid to to reach out ask for help from a news outlet perspective or an employer perspective i would say encourage your employees to go get that help. You know, most employers offer that as some sort of assistance or some sort of benefit for free at this point or at a reduced cost. Mm -hmm. Utilize that. Um, again, don't be afraid, but utilize all of your resources offered to you from the employer. And the employers should encourage you to reach out, to talk about it, to talk to your fellow coworkers, not just professionals, but to just share experiences as well, because a lot of people go through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, speaking of the resources, I will say um, Telemundo has had the best. Amazing. Um, yeah. Best uh, benefits when it came to mental health, especially. I knew that I could go to any mental health specialist and network and not pay a dime. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope that it's still that way. I don't know if it is, yeah. but a lot of people don't know. A lot of employees don't know that we have that resource. I had a few producers come to me and say, hey, do you know anyone that I could go talk to? Um, do you know how much it would be? And I, and I would tell them, look, with your benefits, it's, it's free. So, you know, take advantage of it, use it. Um, and, and I hope that that serves as a model for other companies as well. It should because yeah, I, I I haven't been at a company that has better resources than Telemundo and NBC to be honest with you and I think that is the first time in a company that I actually was able to seek uh, mental health guidance because other companies that I've worked for didn't exactly have the greatest benefits, um, so it was definitely a struggle. But Nick, thank you so much for, for sharing with us. I mean, you're welcome to stay or you can leave whatever you want. I don't want to pressure you to stay here with us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. <laughs> um, okay, so to to ask you, I have two more questions before, before we end the interview, unless you have anything else to add as well. But I mean, it's it's not always easy. Obviously, the industry comes with a lot of struggles. And challenges, but uh, what has been one of the most gratifying events for you or situations as a journalist and, and throughout your experience? Um, that's such a crazy and amazing question because I, all of the things that were the hardest were also the most gratifying. Mm -hmm. um, ironically. Because, yeah, ironically, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Uh, covering this humanitarian crisis in the Venezuela-Colombia border was, to me, 
one of the biggest honors of my life. Um, being able to somehow um, uh, shed a light to an issue that is so um, not really spoken about or not really talked about usually, mm -hmm. to me, it, it was it was an honor. I. I don't think Telemundo had a big strategy on coverage for that event and I volunteered to do it. I emailed my boss at like three in the morning, hey, this is happening, I wanna go and, and it, it happened. And the result, now that I look at it from this perspective to me was wonderful because the visuals that I was able to get um, are so valuable for me even today. And I would say, um, probably the 2016 elections. Um, those were the elections that gave us my first Emmy Award nomination, which I never even thought or imagined that I would receive. And then last but not least, the coverage of the FIFA World Cup in Russia was wonderful. I mean, I, I lived in Russia for almost three months and seeing the whole world come together when usually we're so into our own interests um, was extremely gratifying. And, and knowing that we were entertaining people and bringing people together through stories was just beyond anything that I could imagine. So, That's so yeah. <laughs> okay, and then I already asked Nick this, but now I'll ask you, um, what do you think the news industry can do better? Um, because a lot of journalists are quitting or not coming back to the industry, especially our generation millennials. And, and there's a lot of of um i guess angst or anxiety for the next generations too because what what is waiting for them as journalists um i think um as media companies embrace the evolution of media uh, like we are with you know digital video and social media and um, streaming platforms the same way we should embrace the evolution of, of human resources. And that includes, you know, not only helping your employees remain and stay in the company, but to also care for them from a mental health perspective. I think um, that urge that I had when I covered all those shootings back to back of changing things as opposed to just telling the story um, is something that we can translate everywhere i mean um, media companies if, if if we had that perspective or if we normalize the perspective of making things better uh for everyone and not just telling the story i think that would really make a, a difference i mean having your your leadership ask and make sure that we debrief after covering these huge you know um, events is is important and and it's these conversations like the one that we're having that that will make those things happen hopefully so i think so i hope so too do you want to add anything else that maybe i haven't asked you oh my gosh um i think uh, journalism is probably in my opinion i may be biased but it's probably the most noble profession out there in the sense that you know, we work day in and day out to tell the story because we're passionate about it and because we love it. And I don't think we necessarily get, you know, rewarded in whether it's financially or um, uh, from a 
satisfaction perspective as much as we should. Um, I think that, that we have a big responsibility, yes. I think that we have a big role in, in the stability of each one of the countries that we practice journalism in. But I also think that we need to be taken care of because we're really bad at taking care of ourselves. Um, I agree. We take care of other people a lot. All the time, yeah. Yes, but, um, but, but we, we really need to step up for ourselves and we really need to ask for more help for other people to step up for ourselves as well. So I love that you just said that because that's so, so true. I mean, it is definitely a noble profession and most journalists, I would agree, will often take care of others before they take care of themselves. That includes, you know, not taking care of their mental or physical health. That includes, you know, not drawing boundaries when they need to be. That includes not taking days off when there's breaking news and they had already gone through a traumatic news coverage experience um, and forcing themselves to move on to the next story even when they haven't had time to maybe process a hurricane or a shooting or natural disaster, whatever it, it may be. So I love that. understanding that you're not the only one. It's a pattern. When we were talking over the phone, yeah. I said, oh my gosh, I went through exactly the same stuff. I was having infections, ended up in the emergency room, and there's no one to blame, really. Like, there's, yeah. that's just how the system is, and it's normal, but it's up to us to change it. So, to make sure it's not, it doesn't continue to be the norm. I mean, we can do better. And I think right. it starts with, with ourselves, um, with taking care of ourselves and empowering ourselves to draw those boundaries and, and voice our concerns. Um, yes. you know, and I want to thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for doing this because we do, God knows we need it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. I think I'll I'll leave it on that note then if you don't want to add anything else. Okay. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you, Lenny, for taking the time to speak to me. I know this can be um, challenging or difficult sometimes to talk about publicly, but thank you because people like you are, are the ones that are helping me create this change and create a better industry for the next generation and for the journalists that are still trying to stick around. Thank you. <laughs> Journalists, this one's for you, to help you heal, to help you understand your worth, and to help you know you're not alone. So share the love and subscribe to Spotify and YouTube and follow us on Instagram. The Awakened Journalist is proud to present Media Healers by Emiliana Molina Fajardo.